Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bono's Show. You'll find it there. And you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. Today is episode 94, and um, I'm joined today for at least half the show. I'll be doing a little something on, uh, on my own here in a little bit at the end. But uh, at least for half the show, we're going to be joined by the the legendary, the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's <laughs> podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind. My co-host, Ellen Wingenter. Ida, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Bo. How are you? I'm doing a little better. A little, a little summertime cold last week. I just couldn't. The throat was so scratchy, I couldn't record. I had like two yeah. or three days where I just couldn't do it. So I was like, ah, we'll just get back to it and um gonna have you for a little bit and then i'm gonna do a little stuff on wrestling with aew's all in and all out pay-per-views and back-to-back weekends i'll be talking about that and uh, a little bit of that at the end i know you don't want to be here for that so i'll give you (laughs) and we'll talk about uh, a couple of passings in wrestling that have happened this week first thing we're recording saturday morning iconic bob barker passed away yeah man nine years old Everybody was looking for those Happy Gilmore uh, gifts. Yeah. To to get the the greatest fight in cinematic history tweeted <laughs> back out. So uh, yeah, I mean, the joke is he got closest to a dollar without going over. So uh, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! How poetic. Hey, yeah, you know I think I think our generation is kind of the last generation to grow up on Bob Barker, Price is Right in the mornings. Yeah, you know, like that's like if you when you were out of school in the summertime or in the wintertime, you stay home, you watch Price is Right. Or if you were sick, that yep. was the bonus for being sick was watching Price is Right. Yeah, like it would and it would lead in to the CBS soaps. So I watched Young and the Restless, so it was like perfect. I could go from yeah. Price is Right into Young and the Restless. Yeah. Uh, the dude was legendary. That's yeah. how we all learned to spay and neuter our pets. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was kind of crazy. I, I was reading some, like, the TMZ write-up and didn't realize that his wife had died like back in 1981. He never remarried, never had any kids, had extended family that was taking care of him. But the dude was a boss, albeit a little bit of a creeper on the set, evidently, if Price is Right. Uh, yeah, still. I've heard there's a book out about that as well. But, you know, it, instead of focusing on stuff like that, when you know that, I mean, nothing's, it shouldn't just be brushed under the rug, but it's sometimes we got to say, hey, People gave some positive contributions that he did for generations. For real. For and, real. And, yeah. And he was definitely a staple of our childhood. Yeah. And I think for like a generation before and after, or definitely a couple generations before us, and then maybe even a few that are younger than us that, that have seen that. So, yeah, the elder millennials will definitely know yeah. Bob Parker. But at some point yeah. in that millennial generation, they may have lost it. I don't yeah. know. They got Drew Carey. Yeah. Who, I mean, I like Drew Carey. So, I mean, I, you know, there's always, I'm always going to prefer Bob Barker to Drew Carey on Price is Right because that's my generation. But 
for sure. I've actually met Drew Carey years ago when we were younger and um, couldn't have been a nicer man. Oh, good. Celebrity. Oh, man. One of the sweetest guys. I met him when I was on my honeymoon. When me and Jen went on our honeymoon, we were in Las Vegas and we're at the old Riviera Casino. Uh-huh. He had just played a show there and he was just walking around. And I stopped him. And this is before cell phones had cameras. Yep. And I said, I, I'd love to take a picture with you. And he was like, sure. But I don't have a camera. So he waited for like five minutes for me to run to my room, get a camera, and come back down and take a picture with him. Oh, that's very awesome. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm a fan of his for life now. Um, so, But yeah, and I know some people will say, well, you know, he's never as good as Bob Barker. Look, Bob Barker is iconic. Just that many yeah. years, that much time. It is what it is. So, but yeah, but, hey, look, 99 years old, that is a good one. Whenever I hear someone dying, I've heard a lot of it this week, frankly. Um, yeah. I always think of the first thing that come to mind is I hear the age and I go, okay, I'd take that. Or that's a good run. You know, I, I kind of think in that way. And maybe it's because of part of what I do for a living. I deal with a lot of people dying. Sure. And so, like, I've got, I got a little bit of an edge. Like, if I hear someone dying in their 60s or even their 70s, I'm like, that's not enough. Like, that's not enough. Even in their late 70s. Okay. Once they get in their 80s, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty good run. You get to 90, that's a damn good run. Oh, Thank yeah. You. Absolutely. If you told um, me today, 90, if you can't say, Brian, I guarantee you'll live to 90, but not past it. I would take that deal right now. Okay. That's interesting. I'm not sure that I'd want to go that long. Uh, this week was the five-year anniversary of Marge passing my mom. And like, I would be okay with mid to mid seventies. It wouldn't be so bad. I think that the older I'm getting and, you know, I mean, we're both, well, I'm a little bit older. I'm, You're I'm, a year older than I am. Yeah, so I'm, I'll be 48 in a few, in a few months. Yeah. So nearing 50 is what I like to say. I see that, you know, they say that, you know, 30 is the new 20 and 50 is the new 30. I see that now. I sure. Um, because I see people who are my age and, and in our age who still do quite a bit and are still active and do things. And then I see people who see it with my clients who are retirees, mm-hmm. people who are call them 65, 70, 72. And I'll see like two distinctly different paths. One path is people who they get to retirement, whether that age is 65 or 75 or somewhere in between, and they enjoy it. Yeah. And they they take and they do something with their lives. They stay busy. and They keep their mind occupied is the term I like to use with clients. Right. Then I see some who go the other way. They become bored. They become and they grow old fast. Yep. I I I, had, I hate to I'm gonna put this out there. I won't say who it was, but I had a conversation with a client early last week, so uh-huh. ten days ago, let's say. And a lovely man. I really admire him as mm-hmm. much as I like him. And I have he's been a client for four or five years. He retired three years ago. And he is near 70 now. Mm-hmm. He's probably right at 70 now. But I have seen him deteriorate 10 years, maybe even 15 in those three. And so yeah. I actually had a conversation with him about it. I said, hey, man, and I love you to death. You are such a great guy. 
I'm worried about something. What are you doing when you're not, you know, what are you doing at home? Are you just, yeah. he, he said, well, I get out in the yard every so often, yada, yada. And I go, and I said, look, you're active at your church. Get involved more. I said, find something that gets you up in the morning. And, and, uh-huh. and I told him, and then the other advice I gave him is golf is not the answer. Getting up to go, and he doesn't play golf, but I know people who have gotten up and they play golf every day. And while that's physically good for you, it becomes a job. But that's some not, people need that, though. Yes. Too. Yeah, they need the regiments of it. Yes. But yeah. To be involved in something, whether that is your family, your church, not for, you know, volunteering, whatever it is. And I said, man, I don't, and I, and I, and I felt so bad before I said it. I said, man, I said, I don't want to tell you what to do. I said, but here's what I've seen. There are people who keep their mind occupied and they enjoy retirement. And people who don't, and they slip and they're gone fast. And yeah. I'm you're going to go this way. And I said, and I really care for you. And I really like you a lot. And you're, I consider you a friend as much as a client. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a huge hug when we left. Made me feel, made me feel wonderful that I actually broached the subject. Sure. I didn't care. I wouldn't. And he messaged me, was it Tuesday this week? So it's been a week later. And okay. he said, I just um I just joined with my church to work with the youth ministers. Okay. He said they make me, he says, I he says, I was talking to a couple of them and they wanted someone to be a resource. And he says, I'm going to work with those youth ministers because they'll make me, they make me feel young. And I was like, I get that. You know, whether, and whether, and you know, my takes on religion, I'm not a religious person whatsoever. Right. But that's right. more, it's community for him. You know, he's right. a man, he's single, he's not married, his children have moved away. You know, he doesn't have anybody nearby. He lives in a rural part of, this, of Topeka. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Well, this was an easy way to get involved in something that he was already involved in and do more. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to uh, the SI Media podcast this week with I like that one. Trina, yep. and um, he had Charles Barkley on there, and he asked Chuck about his 10-year contract with TNT. He's like, I'm not working until 70. I want to enjoy my grandchildren. He's got very two young grandchildren. Yeah. He's just like, I want to be able to sit at my house and gamble and go to Vegas for the Super Bowl and not really care about all that stuff. Yeah. He's just like, I don't know what the timing is to leave. And I think because so many of us, frankly, uh, there's a small handful who who have figured out the system or gone into industries where they can really retire at 50, 55, less than. It's so rare. Yeah. Most of us are working probably far longer than our parents ever did, mm-hmm. certainly longer than our grandparents did, because we yeah. don't have the pension systems, the yeah. backups, absolutely, the family support. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting. I think from a, this is very deep, from a Gen X position forward, mm-hmm. how we deal with older age. Yeah. You and I, now we've both lost our parents. And yes. both of you are in our late 40s. We both have lost our parents. But our generation, in my industry, we call them the sandwich generation. Because we are trying to care for our children. 
And then we have to care for aging parents. Yeah. Now, I lost my parents when I was younger. You know, I was in my 20s when they both passed. You know, you lost your father. You lost your mother five years ago. You mentioned that. And we get to avoid that piece moving forward. You had more of that than I did. Yeah. Because you had to take care of your mom for a while. Yeah, I did. Um, and it was really great when we moved out to Colorado. My brother was able and available to help with that. And yeah. so I I feel I I hope that I personally don't run into the Alzheimer's, dementia, those kinds yeah. of things. I never had to deal with that with my parents. Yeah. I'm seeing children of my parents contemporaries their friends dealing with their parents doing it in their 70s and 80s and that has to be extremely hard and i um i hope somehow i preserve my brain just enough that it doesn't (laughs) tilt quite that far uh but yeah i mean it's it's going to be interesting just to see how our generation who is stuck working much longer than our parents ever did and how they define retirement because it's not going to be the bill of goods that we've been sold over the years. I totally agree. I see it all the time at work and it's our generation, people in their late forties now. Yeah. And people who are really 40 to 60 right now. Yeah. Yeah. The retirement is a, is a, it's going to be a different animal. It's yep. not going to be stay home and collect a check. There are very few pension plans. Yeah. You know, we go to work. We have to save ourselves. You know, that's one thing I help people with if you're listening to this. Um, but then also the idea of just not doing anything does not really appeal to a lot of people our age. No. You know, I, I figure that in my practice and business, I will always be doing something. Probably until the day I die. I mean, I can I can work part time doing this, right? You know, I can find a young partner at some point and, and do that and, and pass my business to somebody. I'm actually helping a mentor of mine kind of fade out right now. And, and it's so funny too because Gen X got labeled the slacker generation, yeah, and yet here we are. Yeah, we're taking care of the boomers and the millennials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was an interesting sidebar. Um, <laughs> unexpected. Too. Unexpected, but I hope that that helps some people. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, I, I know we got to keep you short today, so I'm going to talk about a few things. Um, big Kansas City news this week. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. It's out there everywhere. The Kansas City Royals are going to eventually build a new ballpark. And they've put out two different sites and two mm-hmm. different models. They want people to come up with what they like. There's going to be a vote on this. Have you seen this, first of all? Um, you know, I was waiting for the announcement on Tuesday, kind of saw that it dropped, but I didn't really look into it okay. until today. I actually went to KCUR, which is the local Kansas City NPR station, yeah. and pulled up their article on it. And saw the renderings, kind of saw the breakdown of the two um, neighborhoods they're looking at. It's interesting. It is It is very interesting because they are two completely different concepts. Yep. When you've got one that is more of a downtown kind of 
build out that community, make it accessible in some ways. People are going to bitch about traffic, no doubt. And then you go to North Kansas City where it's far more sprawling, but it's outside of the push of anything. Yeah. Yeah, North Kansas City is trying to make a push to get it and do similar to what they've done with the legends over in Kansas City, Kansas. With having, in Kansas City, Kansas, they have um, the racetrack. Yep. Have the um, the soccer field, soccer park, and which they use for concerts as well sometimes. And then they have the minor league baseball team there. So I, I think that, I see where North Kansas City is. I, I prefer the downtown ballpark. I'll say that now. I'm all I, on a downtown ballpark. I love downtown facilities. Yeah. Especially when there is transportation yeah. built in and around or yeah. made accessible to it. Yeah. So the the number one complaint I'm hearing is the downtown thing is the parking. Sure. And that's going to be an issue. They're, they're going to build garages. They're going to have yeah. a couple of them. But what I really hear is a twofold. It's the, why do they need a ballpark? Why and it's whether they, whether you deserve it or not. We'll get to that in a moment. Sure. Why do they need a ballpark? Kauffman Stadium is fine. I'm going to address that first because I'm going to say those people are just dead wrong. They're just dead wrong, and they just don't have a true concept of what sports in America are. At this point, this owner, this new owner of the Kansas City Royals, bought the yep. Royals for a billion dollars. Part of it was with the understanding that he was going to get a new ballpark. That was and, and the and the issue he had was he had 10 more years on the lease at Kaufman Stadium. It is right. written into the lease and into his deal that he can opt out if he could opt out if given a stadium that's in Jackson County which okay. includes downtown Kansas City. This guy's goal is to build a downtown ballpark. What he's trying to model this after is things like the Colorado Rockets. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh Pirates have a great new stadium downtown. The Houston Astros have a great ballpark right in downtown Houston, which is fantastic to go to. Um, they're trying to do this. Now, the problem is in Kansas City, the ballpark and the Arrowhead Stadium are in the same parking lot. And they're yes. in this remote part of town. There is nothing around it. And because of what happens with Arrowhead and the Chiefs' experience of going to tailgating and everything else, people try to do that when they go to Royals games. They take and they play, you know, they take their, their cornhole game and they they grill, ball, grill hot dogs and everything before the game. Literally no other ballpark in Major League Baseball does that. Correct. And it's wild when you've experienced that and can yes. see and go to other ballparks and you're like, where's the tailgate? Yes, that, that, <laughs> we don't do that anywhere else. And you go to Kauffman Stadium. Kauffman Stadium is this, it's a stadium. It's not a ballpark. Yeah. Baseball should be played in a ballpark where you, I'll give you an example. I took Jen and Peyton years ago to Fenway Park. Fenway and Wrigley are my two favorite ballparks. They're also the two oldest ballparks. Yes. Um, Houston's probably my third favorite. 
Uh, I love what they've done. But when you go to Fenway Park, there is not that many vendors. There's no many, there are many places to go get a soda or a beer or anything else. There's just not that many places. But they have the vendors walking around the whole time. Right. Jen's line that day was the vendor game is strong here. Because if you want a hot dog, you don't have to go get it. They'll bring it to you because the price is coming. You know, and unlike what you see, there's a few of them at the Kaufman, but not like we see it at at Wrigley or at Fenway. And and even Yankee Stadium was that way too, the new one. And, And I look at it and I say, well, okay. The problem is the Royals for 30 years have not marketed the baseball team. They marketed the experience of bringing your family to the ball game, to the talk to the ball game to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. We wanted to put in a carousel and a little K field for the kids to go run the bases. That's all nice. But the ballpark is you and me and some buddies after work on a Thursday night taking an Uber or um, taking the, the the train, you know, now we got the light, not the light rail, but the, the, the streetcar. The trolley, yeah. The trolley, get down, down to the ballpark and go to the game. Yeah. And enjoy a two and a half hour game. Now with the way the game is being played, games are shorter. Yep. You don't have to distract your kids with a carousel and everything else. So it's a mindset that the Kansas City Royals fans have got to get past. And when they get past that, they're going to realize that the experience of going to the ballpark to watch a ball game is much better than going to a stadium and taking your kids to ride a ride and to run the bases. I, I, that's what I the Royals are counting on. Yeah, and I think, I mean, listen, what Arrowhead and the K were both built in the 60s, the K got their last facelift for the 2012 All-Star game. Yes. Um, you know, the the Chiefs ownership has said that they won't move from Arrowhead, which given the space and the tailgate atmosphere, it it would be really hard for them to move. Yeah, I don't uh, see the Chiefs moving. They just won't do it. Uh, if anything, they would eventually tear down the K and build a new stadium just across the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, Word that I got was that if there's a new ballpark to make things right for the Chiefs, uh-huh. the K will be torn down and a practice facility will be built. Yeah, down. yeah. I mean, they'll enhance what they already have, no yeah. doubt. But I will say, speaking from a Denver perspective and Coors Field, now that they've created McGregor Square around it, I mean, yeah. there was, they went into what locally is called Lodo, lower downtown, yeah. 25 years ago when it was all warehouses. Mm-hmm. And has it, it spurned this growth in the area. They've now built out McGregor Square to have a number of really cool bars and places that you can go pregame or postgame. Uh, access via light rail is super easy. That's what I use all the time and it's great. And I get that people are going to be pissed off about parking and traffic for those that live downtown. But you know what? If you're choosing to live downtown, 
that should be part of your calculation. Yeah. Because whether it's a game or a Monday and people are actually returning to the office on some level, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. Because that's where things yeah. are. And so I, my preference as well for my standaway perspective would be downtown because I would be more concerned that if they built in North Kansas city it would end up being kind of sterile, like the new Braves yeah. field. The battery. Yeah. Is really weird. The, the battery. I haven't been to the battery yet. I've heard both good. I've heard both positives and negatives to the battery. I mean, it's nice that there's a bunch of stuff there, but yeah. outside of what's enclosed within the enclave of the stadium, yes, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's it, And so for the 81 days a year you have a ball game, things are busy. Yeah. But for the other 280 days a year, nothing going on. No. Instead, enhance your downtown. And especially with downtown Kansas City, because of the way Kansas City is spread out, Every part of town can get to downtown. Whether you live in Johnson County, whether you live in North KC, KCK, Independence, you know, those are just the four directions. Sure. Every one of them you can get to downtown. Well, you know, you're going to deal with the headache of parking, but tell me right now it ain't a headache driving into Kaufman Stadium. And there's not even big crowds right now. Right. And the thing of it is, is that I think most metro areas – over the last three years have seen the huge decline of populations yeah. of, you know, the businesses leaving these huge areas because COVID we're all working. We're still working from home. Yeah. That's a new norm. Yeah. And the companies aren't coming back. They want the yeah. tax base. They want the people they want, you know, somebody wandering around before the game to yeah. go yeah. to random places, it's you know, be so much better of an experience you're going to have more fun it is going to be a better baseball experience yeah downtown Baltimore. So. i just hope i i'm very curious to see what the funding structure is yeah well he's supposed to put up some of it and then the, the city or how they're going to fund it from there and the other half it's going to be public money but it's also in his contract if they don't give him a stadium when he asks for one he can move and there are two cities locked and loaded with money, ready. Nashville, Tennessee, oh. Charlotte, North Carolina. They've already got buildings they can they can put them in temporarily, and ballparks they're willing to build. Uh, Nashville has a contingent of over one and a half billion dollars. They want an expansion team if they can get one. Would they put it across from Titan Stadium? It, no, it's going to be going to replace where the new the Nissan Field is, because they are right now building the Titans a new facility. Okay. The new Titans. If you haven't looked it up, the new Titans Field or whatever they're calling it in Nashville, mm -hmm. it's going to be state of the art. It's like a two billion dollar stadium being built there. Hmm. It's fantastic looking, and. The the site where Nissan Field, where the Titans currently play, would become a ballpark. Okay, just for baseball. It, it's they've got they've got the money. They've got they've got a group that wants to be ownership, and whether that means they buy into the Royals or buy the Royals, that could happen. There's a group in Charlotte, the same thing. They don't have sure. quite as big money, big, uh, quite as much money, 
but they also have at Charlotte a history now of they have a triple A team that yeah. has the best local ratings of any triple A team in all of baseball. Interesting. Their city loves that team. And they're thinking, well, we can put a major league team here. And you and you'd hope they'd be in the national league so they can be rivals to the Braves. Right. But we'll see. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. But I, I I, hope for the Royals, and I hope for Kansas City and their fans, they get this right. They get them a downtown ballpark, and they get it done. And they don't screw it on the public financing part. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard with the Kansas and Missouri and different counties and everything. It's going to yeah. be hard. But yeah. the adults need to get in the room and figure it out. Yeah, agreed. I want to move to the field for a moment. I've got just one baseball thing I want to get to. This is a big one to me. I think this is going to be the biggest off the field. I think it's going to be one of the biggest stories in this next offseason. We know that Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent. Yes. Shohei Otani was pulled from his start this week after two innings with a UCL tear in his pitching arm. Mm -hmm. He is going to DH the rest of the season. Yep. Uh, so as we're speaking now on Saturday, that's about a month left. It's about it's about five weeks of baseball left. The Angels are out of the playoff run. As I'm looking at this now, I think they are. Let me get the standings. They're under 500 now, and in the wild card, they're currently ten games back, ten and a half games back of the wild card. So they would have to have the most unbelievable September in the history of baseball. Correct. Because uh, they'd have to jump over four teams and a fifth team to get into the playoff. Be there would be a wild card team. So that's not going to happen. Um, Mike Trout is hurt again. He was back for two games and gets hurt again. He's back on the IL. Uh, but Otani, this is where the story is here. Otani had Tommy John surgery a few years ago in Japan. Now, for those who don't know, Tommy John surgery is a ligament replacement surgery that's frequently done to pitchers and when you get this done you're out for a season you're going to miss an entire year for recovery i think the fastest we've seen anybody come back is about 10 months and that was chris sale and he injured himself again and was out for the next you know 10 more months you cannot rush back from the tommy john surgery i'm going to speculate this on two things one Shohei Otani was going to get the biggest free agent contract in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. He was going to top Mike Trout's 500 plus million for 10 years. There was talk of him getting anywhere from 60 to even possibly $70 million a year on a 10 year deal. And it was because teams were looking at him and going, he's the best power hitter in baseball. Yep. He'd be your three hitter on any team. And he's the three-hitter with Mike Trout on his team. So, I mean, if he can hit in front of Trout, he can hit for anybody else. Yeah. And he might be your number one starter. Correct. Now, look, I don't think Shohei Otani's number one starter. I haven't thought that the whole time. He's a great two, a solid three. But teams were prepared to start paying him like he was both. So that's where these 60, 65, even $70 million a year. Mm-hmm. Now, I read a report this morning, as we see this on Saturday morning, um, that the uh, Otani has been having cramping 
and tightness issues in his elbow, Pistol's pitching elbow, for over a month. Okay. He's had blisters on his pitching hand, which has been happening. I thought when he got pulled from the game a few days ago, it was because of another blister. Okay. Um, but And that's what they speculated on the game. And then we find out it's a UCL issue in his shoulder or in his elbow. Mm-hmm. One, if he has to have Tommy John surgery, that's a full year down. Now, generally speaking, your arm does come back stronger. So a team has to start doing some really interesting calculus here. One less year of in his prime Shohei Otani could come back stronger in the arm. Can he pitch? Or do you say, don't get the Tommy John surgery. Let's get you into therapy. Let's figure out what we can do. And let's just not let you pitch anymore. And pay him as the best hitter in baseball. Okay. Now, there's that piece on the team side. Mm-hmm. Now there's the Shohei Otani side. He's got to figure out how he can maximize this free agency. Because this is his big. He'll never yep. get this shot ever again. Correct. The only thing he can possibly do is sign a shorter deal, a two- or three-year deal somewhere, and hope that he can do it again. Yep. But if he has Tommy John surgery, he wastes a year of his prime. First off, the injury in his UCL is going to cost him $100 million. He's not getting $700. He's not getting $650. I don't think he's going to get $600. Because no one's going to do the calculus and go, well, he's not a one and the best power hitter. He's just not. And if he's already had Tommy John surgery once and he's had it again now, what's to say his arm is going to be any good whatsoever? Sure. And we can't promise that he's going to be in his prime for both. So we can't pay him like he's in his prime for both. Not for 10 years. Okay. The other issue becomes, what do you do if you're Shohei Otani for the next five weeks with the Angels? The Angels have fucked this up. I'm going to read this quote. Let me get it back, pull back up here. I'm sorry. Um, This was a report. Oh, now I'm talking to fade time here. All right. Um, Angels general manager Perry Manasian said that despite... Otani suffering from cramping and arm fatigue that caused him to push back starts the season. The team did not do any related imaging to his arm until this past week. Let me get this right. The Angels have the best baseball player, not just the best baseball player in the world. He's the one guy who can increase the value of your your old franchise. That's the other thing about Shohei Otani. That isn't talked about. And we're going to get all into that in the offseason. And they didn't think well enough to get a fucking MRI done in the last month when he's been complaining of cramps and arm fatigue. This is the misunderstanding that the Angels have done here. And what there is a total lack of understanding, not just baseball understanding. This is business misunderstanding. This is your most valuable asset. 
And if they were ever going to have a chance to re-sign him, they had to show him, and it's why they didn't sell off and they didn't trade him. They were supposed to be showing Shohei Otani, we are serious about getting better. We're going to get Mike Trout back. We're going to call up a couple of our young guys. We're going to go get Mike Moustakis and a couple other small pieces, and we're going to make a run. Right. And it's all not worked. Their record's gotten worse, not better. And then you hear they mishandled this situation. If you're Shohei Otani, there is zero chance you are ever going back to the Angels, right? So I have a few thoughts on this. I'd like to hear um, I would agree that the Angels mishandled it. They were basically hiding the injury in the idea that they may trade him at the trade deadline, decide not to. What impact the owners had by saying, well, I'm going to sell and now I'm not going to sell. I don't know how that kind of played into the GM and front office handling it the way that they did regardless if you're ignoring player health it's just shitty management yeah the thing that i think the points that you discussed are fair and i haven't looked much into this but what is the calculation if otani goes to the bullpen and becomes a closer okay i'm with you on that keep going because The thing of it is, is if he does have to have a second Tommy John surgery, I mean, it's just not great on the body. They'll probably do everything else until they have to do Tommy John. But if you're bringing him out at seventh, eighth, ninth inning situations and make him to a devastating closer that people just cannot get through. What is the value differentiation of that, of him still being able to hit on a very regular schedule as the DH and him coming in and closing possibly two to three games in a series instead of having a five day rotation. Yeah. I, I'm in 100% agreement with you. And um, we talked about this privately before because that is no. exactly what I would do with him. No, we have I, not discussed this I, at all. I would tell you the, like, why the, number, the number this? one thing I would do if I was going to get Shohei Otani in free agency, and I had the idea back at the World Baseball Classic, was I'd turn him into a closer. I mean, how the Cubs did it during the middle of the season with one of their starters and I, look, back as it, a closer, and he's look, done great. It, this is what Dennis. This was happened with Dennis Eckersley a generation ago, a guy who just started. He started having arm fatigue, and he got to a spot where he, hey, I can't pitch seven or eight innings. They put him in the bullpen. He became the second greatest closer of all time. He was the greatest closer of all time for Rivera, and I think what I would do. Is exactly that. I would absolutely 100% go to Otani and say, okay, if you need to get Tommy John, get it done. Yeah. But when you sign with us, we want you to be the third. You're going to bat third. You're going to be our DH. And we're going to make you the closer. I mean, because the thing of it is, you get even more utility out of it. Yes. Yes. 
Look, so you, why do you get Shohei Otani? You get him not just because of what he can do on the field, but the value he brings to your team. Yes. And all the extra, I mean, the, the Japanese media is going crazy for this guy. His games are getting ratings over there. Yeah. Now it's not just the day he pitches. He might pitch every day. Right. He could pitch, you know, four, 50 times, 60 times. And so if he's going to pitch once a series and he's going to hit every day, well, now I've got even more reasons for people to come to the ballpark to watch my games locally on local TV, to um, to sell my broadcast in Japan and worldwide. Yeah. I know those Japanese companies want to come over and do advertising with us. Absolutely. If you don't believe me, watch any Shohei Otani start and just look at the signs behind home plate. Half Correct. of these are not in English. There's yeah. a reason they do that. The Angels have totally bumfucked this whole thing. And it's going to take a smart team to come in in both baseball and business and say, that's the guy that increases the value of my team. It's the idea of if there was free agency in the 60s and you could have gone and got Mickey Man. Yeah. And to say, hey, that's the guy. That's the one guy. Look, Mike Trout's a better player over his career than Shohei Otani. But Mike Trout doesn't give you what Shohei Otani gives you business-wise. And the excitement around him. Mike Trout's kind of boring. But well, he is, and he's injured for And he's more. injured a lot. And he's <laughs> turning to Mickey Mantle when it comes to injuries. God. Yeah. And, and, and I hate that for Mike, because I'm a huge Mike Trout fan, as you know. Yeah. But uh, with Otani, that's what you got to do. you got to turn him into a closer. And, and I, then- I think you go to him and you say, look, you have the chance to be the best hitter in baseball. You are. I mean, even if he misses this next month, he's still the MVP this season. Yeah. I mean, this is why you can look at, honestly, a club like the Cubs and go, okay, they see it. They understand. Yeah. How could you not, if you were Chicago, not look at that and go, oh, I can short my bullpen and have another tremendous bat? Great. I don't see why um, a middling team, and, and I can't think of the top of my head of the one specific, but let's say it was the Guardians. Let's say it was the Pirates, uh, the Royals. Yeah. And they decide, hmm, what can we do? What can we do to make this exciting? Him. Yeah. There's never been an opportunity like this. And it's going to take someone to be creative and someone to be patient with him. Now, if I'm Shohei Otani, again, show me the money. And so someone will come along with 600 or 650 and say, okay, and be patient. I, it's hard to do it, but I would do it. I Look, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I would love for the Boston Red Sox to do it. Sure. I uh, I would. I want to see somebody, anybody, do this. Give but there's him money and get him out of the Angels, and get, let him take a year off for Tommy John surgery, and bring him back and make him their closer. But there's zero reason to force him back into a starter's role. Yeah. Well, and we saw, and we saw he can do it. We saw he can be the closer in the World Baseball Classic when he closed the World Baseball Classic championship game. But yeah. three outs he got were 
Betts, Goldschmidt, and Trout. They struck Trout out on three pitches, which has yeah. never it's been done like six times in Trout's career. Right. I mean, it's amazing. And you know, if he can do that, he can do it in the bits. Yeah. A thousand percent. Why not? Why not do it? And I would turn him into Dennis Eckersley. And I would turn him into Dennis Eckersley with a big fucking bat. And every day. And if I was the owner of the Kansas City Royals, I'd go find a partner with some deep fucking pockets and say, let's get this downtown ballpark and let's go get Shohei Otani. And we're going to turn our billion-dollar franchise into a $3 billion (laughs) franchise tomorrow. What did you say? I I, I will talk to you. I'm sorry. I I said, are you listening, Patrick Mahomes? So you know there's a rumor. I don't know what this announcement's going to be. Have you heard about Garth Brooks is making an announcement in Kansas City next week? That's a new radio program. It's a new radio program. Okay. I, Kauf- why he's making the announcement at Kaufman, I have no idea. But okay. that's what I saw this afternoon. Okay. I didn't know that's what the speculation I saw when I first saw this was that he was going to join the Royals ownership group. Maybe that's true. Okay. And the thing is, is that if he joined the Royals ownership group, one, it'd be good for Kansas City. But oh, yeah. two, it could be the thing that also moves them into, moves into Nashville. Yeah, so you be careful yeah. there. It could be a double-edged sword. But yeah, get if you're look and whether whether it's Kansas City or you know what the Texas Rangers or the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, one of those franchises needs to be the one that comes in and makes this big deal. You want to be the Yankees, the Red Sox, the the Dodgers. This is how you do it. This is the one chance you know will work. Yeah. Now, my other question on show time. Last one, we're going to get off this. Would you play for the next five weeks for the Angels? So I don't, because I don't know what the feel of a UCL injury is and how that impact, how that would impact his swing. I guess it has none on his swing. Um, you know, like my surgeon told me with my ACL, once you tear it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, so long as he has function, if he wants to, to play as the DH, why not? Well, the, the angels have already said he's going to DH the rest of the season. You know, um, hitting baseball is hitting baseballs is really fun. I'm sure. And, uh, if he doesn't have the stress of starting game because he just can't do it, then why not? And I think it's probably good for morale within the angels, given that trout is now injured again, you know, just to have a guy, a steady guy mm-hmm. who is there. Well, what does he owe the angels at this point? Here's where I get off the thing about how they fucked this whole thing up in the last couple of months. But when the fuck else are you going to do for five weeks? I- Go ahead and get your surgery. I would. I'd go have it next week. But I'm gonna do it next week for my rehab. So this is this almost relates back to our initial discussion, right? If you retire and get bored and stop doing stuff, yeah. you know, why not let him yeah. do the thing he loves to do for the next I, five weeks? I do understand that. So I think, that, I think the, the, the 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 cynic in me says. 
all right, I'm going to free agents. I'm out of here in five weeks. Sure, make and the angels pay for five weeks, and that's five weeks. He can get that surgery done, start his rehab, and in the right situation, he could be back for a postseason next year. Oh, absolutely! Like, and so that's my thinking. Is I'm thinking, look, if, and if I was any of these teams, I'd fucking break the baseball rules. I'd break the rule, and I'd get to his agent and say, "Tell him to sit out, and get the surgery done, and sure. we'll give you the money." And and we'll just want him back for the postseason. Because I think have, about that. I have no doubt that there are people around him who are definitely thinking about that scenario. Get him out. I just I'd go right now if I was him. Because he, I don't think he owes the, the angels anything at this point. It, it, I don't think it's from a matter of owing anyone anything. It's yeah. he loves the game. Yeah. And wants it, to play if he can. So yeah, why not? I get that. And, but I do think there's also now that I think he looks around that he looks around at that clubhouse too and goes, sure. these guys are here in part because of me. Yeah. I can't let them down. So, yeah. but rosters expand in a few days and that's one more roster spot that a young guy can come up. This is not a competitive team. It, the, the, the team gets to look at another player. Yeah. You know, I, if I were Shohei Otani and I was his people, I'd be going to the angels right now saying, shut him down, shut him down. So it, we're going to get more into that as the as he gets into free agency. It's going to get interesting. And we're going to see if he needs time. We don't even know if he needs Tommy John surgery. Right. But he's going to be getting some looked at this week. Um, yeah. Two more. I know we got to get you out of here soon. So I'm going to try to be quick about this. Big trade in the NFL. Not a big trade in, in name, but in, in kind of news this past week. This is not Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is on the trade block. And I'm going to get into that. On the next episode, we'll talk more about that. Uh, actually, Florico is going to come in. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, Trey Lance was just traded by the 49ers to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. And this carries a lot of ground, but I'm choosing my words carefully. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get some hell about this, but I'm going to say it right now. The general manager should be fired. Should be absolutely fired. I don't care who else is on this roster. I don't care about their success the last two or three years. The fact that they made and traded three first round picks to move up to, tra- to, to draft Trey Lance, and he played four games as your starting quarterback, went two for two in those games, and then you trade him for a fourth round pick. You get no credit for drafting Brock Purdy because of this. Don't give me that shit. Go fuck yourself. No, I'm not going to hear that because Brock Purdy not a good quarterback either. Right. We're going to find out this season. Look, we're going to find out the 49ers suck when it's all said and done. And defense is good. The offense is off. And Kyle Shanahan's choke choke artist. We've already seen that. So get ready. It's going to happen. Um, I would fire John Lynch today. You cannot trade three draft picks, three first-round draft picks, for a franchise quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Trey Lance is a franchise quarterback today. He's obviously not. But you cannot trade him for three first-round picks. Give him four games of an opportunity. And then dump him for a fourth-round pick. That is the ultimate buy high, sell low. Sure. And we're talking about the position of quarterback in the NFL. You cannot be that wrong. Period. 
I don't totally disagree with you, but I've also seen that Trey Lance asked for the trade. So there was certainly well, something going on yes. in there regardless. That he it asked for the trade there. because he wasn't going to be playing. And so he has to optimize his own playing opportunities. I mean, what happened to him last season was horrific. Breaking your ankle. Fucking yeah. sucks. Um, I just don't know if, if, if Lynch is to blame and we'll, we'll never know, but the, the shortened runway was pretty sad. <laughs> I think it's, I think that this whole situation is ridiculous. And I think that John Lynch has to be blamed for this. And I think he has to take the blame for this. And, and there's no getting out in this case. Uh, sort of him winning the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He is out in my case. I mean, you, and, and I'm going to tell you now, I'm not convinced this team is very good. I don't think they're going to win their division. I know I'm in the minority because people think that their defense is great and they have a lot of athletes and they have Mike Shanahan's um, this, this scheme and the system they use. Look, this is the same guy as a off the, as an offensive coordinator. Forgot how to call plays when he was up four touchdowns in the Super Bowl, ended up losing the game, and it was quite predictable when it happened. Mm -hmm. They get outplayed in the biggest of ball games. Yeah, he gets out schemed in those games. Um, this is going to be a disaster when it's said and done. Now, I'm not saying that I think Trey Lance is the answer. What I'm saying is. I think the 49ers did him wrong in not giving him the opportunity that you should afford the player that you gave up that much for. Yes, I fully agree with that. And I think the Dallas Cowboys made a tremendous deal on this. I don't know that he is going to be a starter there. They have Dak Prescott. I yeah. like Dak Prescott more than most people do. Sure. But Trey Lance has a lot of the same abilities that Dak Prescott has. He is a very good guy to be Dak Prescott's backup and to be a guy that if Dak Prescott got hurt, you could run the same offense through. And if you do see this kid can play and you've got to make a decision on Dak Prescott after next season, you might let him go. Yeah. Play Trey Lance. Maybe a new situation helps Trey Lance become a starter next year. Sure. I, I'm in on this deal for the Cowboys. And as you know, I don't like the Cowboys. Yeah. But this was Stephen Jones just picked the 49ers pocket. And so badly that daddy, the dad, whoever dad is for the 49ers, he's a slap the shit out of son who made this deal. Okay. Because everything make, leading up to this deal has been done poorly. Yeah. It was it was handled very, very badly. Yeah. So I and they can't restock the cover very well. No. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen, but have you seen that what was given in return in this Trey Lance deal? What those no, turned into for the Dolphins? I didn't dig into it very much. Um, the Dolphins' three picks turn into being a trade to the Broncos for Bradley Chubb, um, a trade for Tyreek Hill. Okay. And the third was a pick, and it was not to it. It was Jalen Waddell. Okay. That's a, that's like a prison rape. 
you get those three players and we're going to give you, okay, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. That's that's one GM just picking the other guy's pocket. I mean, that's that's horrible. So, um, yeah. Um, last thing I got for you. This is when we, we've been doing this all off season. We yes. Offline. And uh, today is the announcement. Where am I going? Where is my free agency going to end? Which the the the, the wheel has been spinning. Where are we at? We're done to two teams. Where's your NFL Alliance landing? We're done to Cincinnati Bengals. Detroit Lions. Yep. I'm going to tell everybody where we're at and what we're going to do. It was going to be the Bengals. It was not right. going to be all along, and it was not going to be a for sure thing. I wavered for a while on this. And it was down to I was going to take the Bengals. And then I had an epiphany a couple weeks ago. I think I texted you. We, we talked about this a little bit. You had an epiphany that Burrow got hurt. Well, Burrow get, got hurt. And we know he's not going to miss any real time. But what it made me think of is why am I choosing the Bengals? Well, I was going to choose the Bengals because of my love for Joe Burrow. Yes. He's my favorite player. I have a man crush on Joe Burrow. I openly admit this. He is my favorite player. Probably, Probably my favorite player is Peyton Manning, who I named a son after. Yes. If I get a new dog, he'll be named Burrow. I'm not having any more sons or any more kids. Um, unless Scarlett Johansson was that. <laughs> so um, that's where I was at. Joe Burrow then gets hurt. And I went, wait a minute. What would I have done? And this was week 10. And Joe Burrow got hurt. And... Would I have rooted for the Bengals the rest of the season? Or would I have just passed them up? And I realized I wouldn't have rooted for them. And so I went, well, does that mean I need to go with the Lions? Because the Lions don't have a player that's going to get hurt that's going to make me not be want to be with them. Right. And then I thought, well, they'll fire Dan Campbell at some point because that's the real reason I'd be there. I love Dan Campbell. Yep. And I'll explain the Dan Campbell thing for a minute. Dan Campbell was supposed to be the head coach of the Saints. He was supposed to get the job the year before Sean Payton left. That was the the plan. They decided to keep Sean Payton one more year. He decided to stay one more year. Campbell didn't want to sit through it. He got the offer to go to the Lions. He took it. And I, I loved it. Hard knocks made me fall in love with him. I already knew a lot about him from the Saints situation. I would, I would go play for football for him right now at 47. Yeah. Um, but, again, that's fleeting as well. And I don't have any ties to the city of Detroit. I've never even been to fucking Detroit. So I couldn't go there either. So what I've decided is that I'm going to remain a free agent. I'm going to enjoy the season. I'm going to not root for a single team. What I'm going to actually root for is this. I'm going to root for Joe Burrow to win every game he plays. Okay. I'm going to root for the New Orleans Saints to lose every week. Okay. And I'm going to root for my LSU players all around the, all around the league. Okay. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, everybody. Uh, Fournette, everybody. I'm going to root for all of them. And I'm going to do this. I, I, I don't have a Sunday ticket. I did that in the past when I was a Saints fan and then could get that. So instead, I'm actually going to be at a place watching all the games. 
I'm also going to gamble quite a bit on the games because that's what I do. Um, and you can do that in Kansas, the DraftKings. Um, so we'll be doing that. And uh, you can join me. We'll be at Johnny's West in Lawrence every Sunday. A uh, couple things aside, but we'll be talking about that. Nice. And I've got a couple of folks who will be joining me every week. So you can always come out. You listen to this, you come in, I'll buy you a beer. Uh, but come on. And then my hope is that I will eventually rejoin the Houdat Nation with the Saints. But again, I have requirements. Yep. My requirements are very simple. Dennis Allen has to be fired. Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, also has to be fired. Derek Carr must be cut, traded, assassinated, whatever it takes. We do not prompt, we do not ask for a killing of Derek Carr. It just go away, it's fine. If you want to kidnap him, that's good. <laughs> uh, so those three things are done. I'll come back. That was the bridge too afar for me. I had to deal with that coaching bullshit already. Then you gave me Derek Carr. I told I warned you. If those three things are done, I'm back. Because I yep. want to root for the Saints. Now I want them to go in 17. Because that will cause the coach to get fired, the general manager to get fired, the, the offensive coordinator to get fired, and you'll have to cut Derek Carr. And then you end up with the number one pick. And it's Caleb Williams, who I think is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL at some point. Okay. In the right situation. Now, Caleb Williams' upside is Patrick Mahomes. I talked about this already. I've already said it. It's going to depend on where he goes as well. Okay, so if he ends up in a bad situation, he may not ever be that. But if he can end up in New Orleans with the right coach, Call Coach Bo. I'll get him fixed. Look at that right. <laughs> oh, and 17 cents. Um, that's where we're at. I have chosen not to pick a team this season. You can call it a cop-out if you want, but I've thought through this, and I think that this is a legit thought process. Okay. I didn't want to turn my back on my cents, but I had to get off that narcotic. Understand. It wasn't good for me. Couldn't just blindly follow when I had a strong opinion. Understand, and you you stated it at the end of last season, so you stayed true to it. That's where we're at. That's what we're going to do. Now I know you've got things to do. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to come back after we have a short little thing here, and I'm going to be talking about um, wrestling. We're talking about a couple of deaths in wrestling this week, um, and then AEW. There are two pay per views back to back weeks. We're going to talk about that, but I want to say thank you. Eat up for coming in today, especially on Saturday. Make some time fitting me in before you have to go run the kid out of places and do things. So thank you so yep. much, sweetheart. Appreciate it. I love you. Love you. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Appreciate it. All right, before we jump on to the next part here, I want to remind everybody of our great sponsor here at the Coach Bono's podcast, and that is DraftKings. Hey, look, football's here. All right, we're in week zero. Uh, currently, I got the Notre Dame game on up here, 14 to nothing in the first quarter. Hey, what I'm trying to tell you right now is you got to get down. And if you want to get down, I'll tell you to be responsible, first off. But if you want to get down on some games this year, you want to do it, you want to have some fun, DraftKings Sportsbook is where it's at. They're a proud sponsor of the of the Coach Bono's podcast. We really appreciate our partnership with DraftKings. Uh, and right now, if you use our code, you go into our show notes, click the link in there. You sign up when you get up to $100 in free bets with your first deposit. 
You bet 50, you put in 50, you get 50 in, in bonuses. You put in 100, you get 100 in bonuses. And there's these great bonuses on DraftKings almost daily where you can get an extra bonus and extra odds on different games. I use them all the time, and I really enjoy DraftKings. I've tried all the other websites. I've tried all the other apps. DraftKings is the best. Check them out. We appreciate their partnership, and we want you to get involved. Again, check out the link in the show notes. Enjoy. Get your $100 free from DraftKings. Get down on some football this year and have a great time. Remember to be responsible. Bet what you can afford. Do not get above your head. We are not here for that. Take care. All right. Last thing, I didn't want to bore Ellen with this if she has some things to go do. So I want to talk briefly, and we're going to have a couple of guests come in in the next couple of weeks to talk about this as well as uh, the wrestling uh, world. And as you guys know, I'm a big wrestling fan. I uh, haven't been as close to this in the last maybe the last few months as possible. We've had some sadness this week. We lost Terry Funk. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, you obviously know who Terry Funk is. Uh, one of the most iconic figures in wrestling history. Um, if you're just a casual WWE fan, you will not know much about Terry Funk. You'll know, you know, maybe some of the stuff in the back in the 80s where he was abused the branding iron on people, or maybe you saw Chainsaw Charlie or some of the ECW stuff. But Terry Funk was someone who, um, as I said on Twitter this week, he was your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. Um, 79 years old, we just lost Terry Funk, and um, the thing I loved about Terry Funk, first off, I can listen to him tell stories all day long. I've seen so much of the stuff on YouTube. Uh, if you want to get on YouTube and go down the rabbit hole, you will have fun with it. But not only that, you can hear the reverence that other wrestlers talked about Terry Funk and how they all had a story, and all the stories were hilarious. They talk about his Texas draw, you're a sucking dog, and how he talked like that. I can't give justice to Terry Funk's voice, but that's about as good as I can do. Um, but a great, just, um, someone who, again, universally respected. Uh, some people will say he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, he's certainly in that argument with a Ric Flair, um, with a Bruno San Martino. I mean, draws across the world. He was the reason that there was a lot of Americans that went to Japan and made a bunch of money. Most popular American wrestler in Japan for generations. Um, came over back to America. Again, never was a lot of mainstream WWE stuff, mostly because of his age. And then really, he didn't wrestle in that way. But this is a guy who was an NWA world champion in the 70s. And then in the 90s, became the ECW champion and took that band of that group and kind of gave them some um, gave that group and gave ECW sort of the rub, if you will, they say in the industry and be made them a legitimate third company in wrestling. We had WWE, WCW and then ECW. Um, again, just a sad deal. 79 years old. He had been suffering through some, some issues. I mean, obviously this guy put his, if you've seen the stuff he's done, you'll see why he was broken down a little bit at his age. But he, um, you know, had been in a nursing home and we've seen like there's a video of Mick Foley going and meeting with him and having fun with him, enjoying a day with him. And again, he's your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. A guy that just, again, reverence for, reverent, revered by, referred by everybody. 
I mean, everyone holds Terry Funk in reverence. Um, I'm not doing this well enough to give him the reverence he really deserves. God rest your soul and um, rest in peace to Terry Funk. 79 is a good run. You know, Ellen and I talked in an earlier podcast about you know, Bob Barker passed. And we're talking about, you know, that's 79. It's a decent number. 36 is not a good number. And this week we also lost Bray Wyatt, uh, Wyndham Rotunda. Um, if you're a newer wrestling fan, you will know who Bray Wyatt, the fiend, was. Um, a big guy. And really, even though I don't like a lot of the stuff he started as the fiend the last couple of years, I was very vocal about that. Um, but I loved his, his character and the Wyatt family. I think he's a fan. He was a fantastic in-ring wrestler, even at his size. Um, he had a heart condition that was exasperated by COVID, looks like, at one point in the last couple of years. And unfortunately, had a heart attack this past week, looks like. Again, we're just going off information we know that's been put out there. We haven't heard any final thing. But 36 years old, we lost Bray Wyatt. Uh, my heart goes out to the whole family. I mean, his his wife, his children, um, everybody in the Wyndham Rotundo family. And it's a, I mean, he goes from a lineage of great wrestlers. His, you know, Mike Rotundo is his father. Barry Wyndham is his uncle. I mean, there's these people. I mean, that goes back to Blackjack Mulligan, and uh, you know, that's uh, again, that's what Bray Wyatt wanted to do. You could tell that wrestling was everything to him, and that was what he wanted his avocation to be. And he did it as well as anybody in his generation. And he was trying to change the vision of where wrestling was going in a way. And he had a great partner in that with WWE and some of the things that maybe I didn't personally care for. And that's okay. But like my son loved. And a lot of the younger millennials and the people who are in their 20s who, who you know, who grow up and this was their Bray Wyatt in many ways. And a lot of the stuff he was doing on the edge is kind of what Steve Austin and the rock did for my generation in a different way. It was pushing the envelope. And so, um, you know, again, we could talk about that piece, but more than anything else, I just wanted to send my thoughts and prayers. 36 is too young for anybody. And, um, you know, it saddens me to hear that because that that's someone who's leaving behind a wife, someone who's leaving behind children. And um, I just hate to see that. So, yeah, my thoughts and prayers there. Going to have a little more about this next week, but I, and I'm going to do a special episode in the next few days just about wrestling. But I want to get out here real quick as we're recording this Saturday. Tomorrow, Sunday, probably when you hear this, um, is AEW's All In. Uh, which, if you don't know what that is, All Elite Wrestling is having their biggest show in history. It is going to be probably the second or third most attended. I think it's the second, maybe the second highest attended wrestling event in the history, uh, only behind WrestleMania three. And they're trying to say they're selling more tickets. They may win it. They're going to have eighty thousand plus Wembley Stadium in London. Um, Congratulations, first off, to all elite wrestling. To sell 80,000 tickets to a wrestling event is really great. And it's really special. And we've seen in wrestling, there's like these two like fighting groups. There's this, the AEW fans versus the anti-AEW. And I've been accused of being one of the anti-AEW people. And, and there's some truth to that. 
And then there's some truth to, I like to see them succeed. Um, but what I will say is 80,000 people to a wrestling event is pretty incredible, especially when you don't know who's coming. I think that speaks to more than it does speak, more than it speaks to AEW. I think it speaks to more about the British fans and the fans in the UK being starved for something like this. Uh, you know, WWE ran an event in, in earlier this year where they had 60,000 at a, in, a, in, a, in a stadium in England and or Scotland, I think it was actually. And now AEW has gone over and going to run Wembley. And it's going to be a bigger crowd than anything WWE's ever done at Wembley. Um, I do think this is going to motivate WWE to put a WrestleMania there and blow it away. And they will. They'll put a two-night one there, and they'll draw 90000 each night. But I do think that it's a big deal for AEW. I hope it goes well. I did look at the card a little bit, and I've kind of watched it. I haven't watched this closely as I probably should have, and it's because there's just certain people I do not watch on that show. And I, you know, there's certain people that I watch, and I go, no, I'm not interested but they have their big show. And let me get this pulled up here. The card is we're seeing. The main event is the AEW champion, MJF. I love MJF, by the way. I think this guy is a great heel. He's a great bad guy. Uh, versus Adam Cole, who's also his tag team partner. And there's they're running doing a great deal. I, I do kind of like this MJF-Adam Cole thing. Um, I'm very interested in it. Um, I want to see how they... I do want to see how they're going to do this with um, eventually MJF is turned on Adam Cole or vice versa. Um, I hope it's the latter. I kind of hope that it's Adam Cole that turns on MJF, but I don't think that's likely to happen. I think it's more likely that it's MJF. Uh, but Adam Adam Cole, MJF, I hope they're last. I hope they go on last. Um, the AEW world title, I do think MJF wins the match. Uh, unless they do something crazy with Adam Cole somehow turning on MJF, getting help from, you know, Roderick Strong or if Kyle O'Reilly were to come back, something like that. Uh, the match I actually want to see, I'm not going to watch this pay-per-view. I'm going to watch it later. I'm not going to get a pay-per-view on a Sunday afternoon. It's in England. It's a noon start time here locally in Kansas City. I'm not dealing with that. Uh, plus Sunday, I got shit to do. I'm trying to get stuff done around my house. And I'm going to watch the baseball. Um but the match I really want to see, and this hasn't been, it's been built pretty well on the AEW Collision Show. And this is CM Punk is back. I mean, they've done a great job with, with him on Collision. And I love that feel of that show. I'm going to talk more about that on that future episode. But um, we get CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're, you know the history of these two guys, they had the three matches where Punk never beat Joe. They had a match on Collision where Punk beat Joe finally with a roll-up. And it was, and Joe says, a roll-up isn't going to work for us. We had gone too far. So now they get to go do it in front of 80,000 in Wembley. I hope they tear that goddamn building apart. I hope they go in there and have the best of those matches they've ever had. Because their first two were amazing matches. And I hope they can get to that. Now, they're older now. It's harder to do that. They can't go back to who they were 15 years ago. But I hope they steal the damn show. One, because I love CM Punk. I hope that he wins this battle with the other EVPs down the road. 
but I love Joe. I think Samoa Joe is one of my also my favorite people in wrestling and one of my favorite wrestlers. So I hope they go in and tear the goddamn building down. I just I hope it's a great match. Uh, from there, we've got a tag team championship match, which, okay, this is going to be a match that can either win me over to AEW or you can make sure I never watch Wednesdays again. The FTR, Dax and Cash, I love Dax and Cash. They're my favorite tag team in wrestling against the Young Bucks. Now, look, I have made no secret my feeling on the Young Bucks. I think they're the most overrated. I think the most overrated tag team in the history of wrestling. I know that they are executive vice presidents of this company. They're two people that built this company, but they have never had less value than they do right now. And what I mean by that is you can look at the ratings. People leave and quit watching the show in droves. They lose 100,000 viewers every week when the, when the Young Bucks come on TV on Wednesday night. Unfortunately, the Young Bucks are going to pull a power card and they're going to win this match. And when they do, I will not watch what, watch their show on Wednesdays anymore. Because I'm not watching those two guys. I don't think they're very good. I did watch their match with the Hardys a couple weeks ago on AEW Dynamite. I thought it was the, one of the worst wrestling matches I've ever seen. Uh, the Hardys have no business being wrestling anymore, and the Young Bucks were even worse. Um, horrible match. This could be a really good match if the Young Bucks don't go in and have exploding shoes or a bunch of fucking tacks on their shoes or do 500 fucking super kicks in this match. Go in there and have a legit wrestling match with the best wrestlers, with the best wrestling tag team in the world. And if you want to show me, the Young Bucks, that you're a good team, that you can actually wrestle, go in there and have a good match with FTR. Because your second match you had with them a couple of years ago was fantastic. It was the best match I've ever seen you do. Go in there and do it again and lay down. FTR should win this match. Build this up to an FTR CM Punk versus the Bucks and Omega. And we'll talk about that. I'm going to bring some more on. We're going to talk about that in a couple over the next couple of weeks. Um, a couple of other things in here, a couple of gimmicks that I'm just not thrilled about at all. Um, Kenny Omega, of course, has to have a match. You're going to have Omega with the Hangman Adam Page. They bring in Kodo Ibushi from New Japan Pro Wrestling to take on Jay White, Juice Robinson, and um, uh, uh, I never get this right. He wants to take a shitter, but it's to catch to to catch to um, I like to catch the kid, by the way. Um, but I got to tell you, I love Jay White and Juice Robinson. Um, I had never really seen much of Jay White in his New Japan stuff. I'd seen highlights and really watched the match. I've gone back and seen a few things. I like what he does. I've loved him on AEW. I've loved him on Collision. And Juice Robinson is the guy that when I see him on TV, my eyes don't come off him. I love his character. I, there's something he has this almost Randy Savage like we shocked and awe to him. They got something big there, and this will be some kind of a folly. Omega will pin one of them. That's how the match will end. Um, Omega will probably pin Takeshita or or Juice, um, and it's okay. This is just going to be a filler, and it's fine for what it is. 
Um, but what I do want to see is I want to see Jay White and Juice Robinson moving up the card. And uh, I was convinced on when I saw them fight the FTR. That was a fantastic match. Probably the best wrestling match I've seen in AEW was the one on collision a few weeks ago. Jay White, Juice Robinson against the FTR. So uh, that would be great. We got Chris Jericho. He's going to roll his ass out there, and he's going to fight Will Ospreay. Um, I like Will Ospreay. I like how he has kind of calmed down a little bit from some of the tricky shit and become a little better wrestler, wrestler, like the psychology of it. Um, he has a chance to be the best wrestler in the world. He takes his physicality and he can put the emotional part into it. Uh, he has a chance to be that good. Um, Chris Jericho, of course, is just going to be Chris Jericho. I think Chris Jericho is awful in AEW. I think everything he's done has been awful in, A and A in AEW. Will Ospreay will carry him in this match. They'll make it reasonable, and they'll get through it. Um, then we have this thing called the Stadium Stampede, which is going to be a straight-up just fast-forward for me. I don't care about literally anybody in this match. Um, the Blackpool Combat Club, which none of them are from Blackpool, so I'll really keep the name. Um, it includes John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli. Um, it just frustrates me what's happened to Claudio Castagnoli, the former Cesaro of of, of uh of uh, WWE since he's been in AEW. This is the guy that many people behind the scenes really wanted WWE to push to the top. They didn't do it. Uh, a lot of talk was that Vince McMahon himself did not believe in Claudio Castagnoli. He's come to AEW. He is the Ring of Honor champion. I get that. Um, not a bad role for him, but at the same time, they put him in this bullshit Blackpool Combat Club, which made a lot more sense when William Regal was in it, because he was from Blackpool. Can't keep that when William Regal's not there. And I got to say, John Moxley can go fuck himself. I was a supporter of his. I loved him in WWE. I thought he would be the one in the shield that would break out. I just liked, I saw a lot of, I saw a little bit of Steve Austin in him. Uh, I just I saw this. I saw it. I was like, if he can just put his finger on the right button, he can get there. But he wants to do this bullshit with, you know, going to everything's got to be blood. Everything's got to be foreign objects. Everything's got to be. I can't stand that. There's just no reason for that. It's why I wasn't an ECW fan. It's why I don't watch Game Changer Wrestling. I don't need any of that shit. You know, if John Moxley wants to impress me, you know, do a match where you don't fucking bleed. Or if you really want to impress me, take one of those lights, those um, those light sticks, and instead of hitting somebody over the head with them, stick it up your own ass and then break it off. Fuck that guy. Um, so yeah, and they're gonna face the best friends, Orange Cassidy, who is still not gonna win me over. I, I don't care how many people love him, I don't like him at all. Eddie Kingston, who I think is one of the realest guys in wrestling, I think he's really good. The only person here I think worth watching, and Penta Alzero Mido. Um, whether he's a talent, talented guy, but I think in bullshit like this, this is going to be a fucking just. This is this is a popcorn match. But this is a match where I would actually go and take a shit instead of watching this match. This is going to be awful. They're going to go all around the fucking stadium. They're going to do a whole bunch of shit and a whole bunch of fake shit, and everyone's going to bleed. Fuck this match. Fuck everybody in this match for this. I'm not watching. 
Then we got Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage in a coffin match. Um, okay. We got this. This this is interesting, but not interesting at the same time. I like some of the stuff with Christian Cage and the dinosaur, which sorts. I think they're doing something really smart there. I think Swerve Strickland, I think WWE fucked up with not pushing that guy. I think he could be the AEW world champion. If I could push somebody in this organization, it would be Swerve Strickland. I love that. Guy's athletic. He looks great. He can wrestle and he can talk. He can do all those things really well. I would push that guy to the moon. Darby Allen, I've come around on. Um, Darby Allen is someone that I thought was originally there for just the kids. You know, he he's this young, he's not even that young anymore, but he's this skinny, the painted face and all this. And the Sting piece, with Sting being his mentor, has worked. I did not think it would. It did. It has. It's made Darby Allen better. It's made Sting do some shit I wouldn't do as a 62-year-old man. Jumping off fucking uh, top ropes on the tables and off of fucking entranceways on the top of groups of people. I don't need that shit either, but, um, you know, again, it's his fucking life. Um, but Darby Allen has grown on because I've watched him wrestle and the guy can actually wrestle. If this were Darby Allen versus Swerve, I'd be in. I'd be in if it was each of them. With stinging Christian outside. But I'm not in for the tag team match. I just thought I'm not in for sting wrestling at 62 years old. I you gotta cover up a lot. And I get it, you got him under contract, he's paid a lot of money, and he's willing to do it. God bless. Him. But let's not let's not get too uh romanticized by what this is. I, again, I will watch Darby versus Strickland. I'd watch that every night if you gave that to me. We'll see what happens. Um, trios championship match, the House of Black, the acclaimed. Um, this could be fun. I'm starting to come around on the House of Black a little bit. I like that they put those trios titles on them and it's not transitional. I thought that was going to be a transition where they were going to be the champions. You know, the, this, we used to call it six-man tags. Now it's the trios. Um I thought they were going to be transitional. That was going to go to the Young Bucks and Omega. They've not done that, which is a good thing. And this is going to be the Billy Gunn coming back with the acclaimed in sort of Billy Gunn's last match. I think this is probably will be Billy Gunn's last match. The House of Black will likely win. Billy probably takes the pin, but doesn't hurt the acclaimed, who I think have a tremendous upside. Um, I mean, they've also been really good having Billy Gunn with them. Um, but how I would do this. I'd have the gun boys, Billy Gunn's kids come out and have them cost the acclaim the match with their dad getting pinned. And that brings heat to the acclaimed against the guns. You could then have the acclaimed and the guns with the whole bullet club gold thing and everything else you can do there. That's where I'd go with that. We'll see if they do something like that. Um, again, it's not going to be a great match, um, but what I hope for is at the end when Billy Gunn takes the pin in this match and it's over, I hope he gets a great, great ovation from that huge crowd. And I hope it's his retirement match. 55-year-old guy who does not look 55. I wish I looked that good at 55. Um, but fantastic. And he's done a great job at AEW. So my, I like it. I'm, I'm with him. 
Um, last thing we have in here is the ladies uh, AEW World Women's cha uh, Championship match. Soraya, Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, a four-way match for uh, Hikaru Shida's championship. Um, I like what they're doing with Tony Storm. I like some of that stuff. I liked the gimmick of her and Soraya and Ruby Soho, but I don't think they've done that right. Uh, I want to see them more like the NW, like the woman's version of the NWO. I thought that they were going at first with the black and the green and the spray paint. That made a lot of sense. But they got away from that. Go back to that. You know, have Soraya help Tony Storm win the match. Get the belt back on Tony Storm. Then whatever your all-out championship match is going to be, have her win that match too. And get them back into the black and green with the spray paint. Make them the female version of the NWO. Make them cool. Have them beat everybody up. And keep doing it. Turn Tony Storm into Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You can do it if you try. My thoughts. Um, zero Hour, they do the pre-show. They are doing something interesting for the Zero Hour. They're going to do the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, the Aussie Open, uh, versus MJF and Adam Cole, who are, of course, the main event. So, interesting to see how that's going to go. I don't expect Aussie Open to lose the match and lose their titles. So will that be the tipping point that causes one or the other, Adam Cole or MJF, to throw the other one out? The, the, you know, do something at the end of the main event. Interesting to think of. Um, we've seen what they've done here. Now I'm going to talk about this. I've gone through the card real quick. We don't know the order of the matches. Just that's the, the matches. Um, I've kind of picked them out best I could for order. What is interesting here is this has been totally hot shot. They've just totally put this card together over the last, really, three weeks. And AEW has another pay-per-view here in America in one week. They're all out pay-per-view. All in, all out. We don't know anybody matches on all out yet. We don't know who's in the main event. We know it's in Chicago. And, you know, that's a CM Punk town. So will that be what they end up doing? Um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to see that. Um, we'll see what happens, but I, I I'm interested to see what ends up happening with um, the whole the whole thing. Uh, um, you know, with all out coming just a week later, um, they're again they're doing that United Center Chicago. We have no idea what they're doing for any of those matches yet. So I got to think that a lot of what happens at Wembley is going to lead to Chicago. And then you have a dynamite and a collision in between. So how do you build the all-out card? The all-out is supposed to be their biggest pay-per-view of the year. So let's see what happens there. Um, it's just interesting. It's interesting to me that AEW had to go to England to pull off Wembley Stadium because they can't do it here in America. They're not going to sell out in Chicago. They don't sell at any of their TV tapings. They actually tarp off quite a bit of their stadiums and their, their arenas. They run too big of an arena, and they you know they don't get enough fans in there. It looks bad on TV, um, but we'll see how that works. Um, it'll be interesting. We're going to bring in a guest next week. We're going to talk all about AEW. We're going to talk about All Out. We're going to talk about All In. We're going to talk about the whole thing and what's going on. And uh, I can't wait to talk more about it, but 
again, there are some of my thoughts, what I think is going to happen, where I think it's going. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Terry Funk, a little bit about Bray Wyatt. And then on the WWE side, right now, I don't find very much interesting. Um, really, the only thing I, I I was very disappointed with the the bloodline piece where it went with Jay Uso uh, getting turned on by Jimmy and the Roman wins. I thought Roman should win, but Roman Reigns to be on TV. We need to see him every week or at least every couple of weeks. And in the meantime, WWE has to push Gunther. That's your WrestleMania main event. I know that there's going to be a lot of talk about it being Cody again against Roman. I want Roman and Gunther. I think Gunther, the former Walter, is the currently the best wrestler in the world. I think that he can get the crowd, he gets the crowd mad at him. The crowd wants to see him lose. And there is something does not happen in, in wrestling anymore. No one wants to see people lose. They don't mind them seeing them get them hurt. They don't they want to see action. They want to see a, a bad guy get his by hitting him with a chair or you know hit him with a with whatever. But no one wants to see the wrestlers lose anymore. And that's where Gunther's got him. That's what WWE has done really done well with Gunther. He's not losing. And if you, you'll pay to see someone, if you want to watch someone or you're going to pay a ticket to go see somebody, if you want to see somebody lose and they keep winning, you're going to keep coming back because eventually someone's going to beat them. And if it's Roman Reigns that beats Gunther, then Roman Reigns becomes an even bigger mythology to that character. He truly becomes another level of, he goes to the Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Steve Austin. He's there. And this is one more thing you can add to make him that level. I don't know what Roman Reigns is going to be doing three years from now, five years from now. Look, clearly that guy's going to Hollywood. He has the look of a Hollywood superstar. Everything about him screams that. He he's already the biggest thing in wrestling. It could get even bigger. We've seen that they made the right call in WWE and having Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes. As good as that would have been for Cody to win that day, it wasn't time yet. Maybe that's WrestleMania next year. But I would be more apt to run Cody and Seth Rollins if Seth physically holds up and run Gunther with Roman. Some of my thoughts. So, hey, on that, I'm going to get out of here. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you listen, stayed on for the wrestling part. Hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear feedback. If you were listening and you have any feedback, hit me on Twitter, at Coach Bono's show. I want to hear it. I want to hear what you guys thought about some of my takes today on that. Um, as always, I want to thank Ellen for coming in earlier today, uh, for getting for talking all about Shohei Otani, Trey Lance, the Royals' new stadium, and everything going on there. We're going to be back next week. We're going to get into week one of college football. We're going to talk about some of the surging teams and collapsing teams in Major League Baseball. Um, 
it's going to be exciting. We're getting into an exciting time. We're right at Labor Day next week, Labor Day weekend. We're going to have so much in sports to talk about. And we may be getting back to doing a point five with football season coming around. So you'll get two shows a week. I'll be doing the regular show with Ellen. And the point five will become the football wrap-up show that we'll try to put out and record on Monday nights uh, after Monday Night Football. Try to have it out by Tuesday. So we're going to be working on that as well. Please be patient with me. As you know, I'm a one-man show over here on this. Uh, we get this recording stuff done between my schedule of working and everything else and trying to take care of myself and everything that's going on there. And then we get, we got to thank everybody at Studio Soapbox, what I do behind the scenes, Tyler Jones and his guys. Look, folks, pull back the curtain a little bit. Tyler Jones is my guy at Studio Soapbox. You probably heard me on the Jones Report. I'm there every week. Um, I enjoy working with him and Tom. It's a lot of fun. And I'm really it's a great pleasure that Tyler's given me this opportunity to do the podcast with him and to do this pod. He does a lot of work behind the scenes. I thank him every week, but I really want to thank him for this. He's been so patient with me through a lot of things these last few weeks. I'm doing a lot better. I'm feeling great. And you're going to be hearing a lot more of me over the next few months. So let's get ready, get strapped in. Football season is here and the fun stuff now starting. Uh, so thank you again to Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us, review us, give us five stars. And look, it helps us find new listeners. If you're listening, give us the rating. If you're enjoying the show, let me know. Hit me up on Coach Bono's at Coach Bono's on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. We appreciate every five-star review. Don't forget our great sponsor, DraftKings. Check out the link in the show notes. You're going to get $100 in free bets with your first deposit of $100. Have fun with that. Um, until next time, I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.